0: Well, good morning and welcome. Thank you for being part of today. Um, A couple years ago, we we actually had focus groups that uh, met and we asked some questions. And the number one question um, people had back to us was, um, I want to know, or why has God put me here on earth? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And um, boy, as we explore into life mission, you will understand and as you get involved in, in what God is doing, you know, and new things that are come up, some of you guys are going come up with brand new ideas of ministries and ways to reach people and touch people and help people around the world or in our community. We haven't even thought of yet. It's because they're kind of germinating right now in your heart, in your mind. And those things will, will come up, and all of a sudden you'll say, that's what I was made for. This is why I'm here. And when you connect with a person or when you see a person come to know God or a group of people come to know God or even be helped and built up, you'll say, that's it, that's the reason, that's, that's why God put me here, so that's really, really cool, and so we're thankful for um, Guy, apart from all his flaws, and um, <laughs> thankful for him being here. Amen. Hey, today we're going to spend a few minutes talking about confession, and when I say confession, half of you are probably thinking of something just like this, aren't you? When I say, talk about confession, you're going, you're, you're, you're going there, and the other half of you are thinking about something like this right now, So you're talking about confession. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> We are actually not going to go in either of those directions at all, but I want to spend a few minutes talking about something that is much more natural and much more normal and and much more freeing into our lives. Uh, The Bible says this, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is really powerful and effective. Let's take a second and and pray, can we, as we get in? God, thank you for the moments we have now and... um, Give me the right words to share, and um, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're, we're in a series, as, as Len mentioned, uh, called Keys to Spiritual Growth, and we're giving away these little key tags and little keys, and if you haven't gotten one yet, make sure you get, you get one. And we're talking about those things that are critical to growing spiritually. It's not just coming to church, and, and, and by now you know that. It's not just simply thinking good and happy thoughts. There's actually things that help us deepen our walk with God, and then we'll ultimately deepen our walk with others. The first one we talked about is surrender. And that would be surrendering myself and my self-will to God. Not an easy thing, is it, to surrender your whole self-will to God? In fact, that's a huge hurdle. But once you overcome that, you find the freedom that's there and the connection you have with God. Last week we talked about accept, and that is accept that I'm a sinner. I own it. I own the fact of how bad I can actually actually be because that's the first step to healing it and number three is what we're going to be talking about this morning is is confess and and in talking to people within the church james said this again confess your sins to each other and you say yeah right i'm gonna do that today maybe not at all you're thinking I'm not going to come here and open up all my little secrets and dump all my dirty laundry on somebody that I don't even know, um, and you're thinking also the last thing I want now is for somebody to dump their dirty laundry on me. So I'm just comfortable sitting here, and once this thing is done, before they make me do anything else, I'm I'm out of here, and, and you're gonna you're gonna take off. Do not pass go. Do not eat a donut hole, and just go. That's what you're that's what you're gonna do. But there's a whole lot more to it. Then that, and then that's what we need to spend time on. Um, John Ortberg, he's now at Menlo Church. He, he, he was writing, and he, te- he had a clever illustration um, of a book he read called The All Better Book. And the All Better Book actually consists of hard questions that we all face, the human race faces. And, and what they did is they took those questions, and they posed them to kids. They gave these questions to kids. And, and the kids give their best answer to the problem. And one of the questions is, with billions of people in the world, someone should be able to figure out a way where no one is lonely. What do you suggest? Okay? Now, how will kids make this all better, this whole problem of loneliness? Well, Max, um, who's age nine, says this. He says, make food that talks when you eat. Talking food would cut down on loneliness. <laughs> you don't know that would be true. Eight-year-old Matt would say this, get people a pet or a husband or a wife and (laughs) and take them places, and that would certainly do. Now, Camille is a little bit more precocious. She said, get someone to fall in love with you. Just shake your hips and hope for the best. (laughs) I'm sure her parents cannot wait for her adolescence on this one. Hey, but it's not a bad question. Is it with billions of people in the world... How do you make a way where no one is lonely? I mean, how do, you, how, do you, how do you do that? Well, that is what God is doing, by the way. That's the whole point. God's aim is to create a community of loving people with him at the center. That's what God's plan is, is to create a community of loving people, loving each other with him at the very center. That's what God is up to in the human race, comm- creating that kind of, of, of community for people. At the very center of our faith, the very center of, of what we hold to is God, God who is, is, is one, one God, and God exists as one, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, if that's a little confusing to you, that's okay, but what it does mean is that God exists in both unity, God is one, but also in community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hold on to that. Because God is in perpetual unity as one, but also in continued community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, together. And community is so good that God created man. He wanted community with him, but he also wanted man to experience community. Then the Bible says this, way back in Genesis, it says, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that is right for him. The guy was all by himself. And so what God had to do, God in his wisdom, he looked at man and he said, I need to create a creature that is suitable for him. I need to create a creature that's able and willing to put up with man's habits of burping, of farting, leaving stuff out, not being able to find things when it's in plain sight, and yet would still love him and idolize him. So God created a dog. Okay, there you go. (laughs) And God saw that that would only make man stay in perpetual adolescence. He needed to become an adult. So God made Eve and said, okay, it's time to get responsible and take charge of your life. And he did. And what God did after that, he said this. He said, a man is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, God is three in one. Okay, get that? And in three in one, there is both unity and community. Humanity is what? It's two in one, and there is unity and community. you follow that? you understand how that, how we share that with God? And that's a cool thing. I think it's really, really cool. You know, man and woman were together in the garden, and right now we should have Karen Carpenter sing, We've only just begun. You know, that kind of a thing going, going, going on here, because it all a really nice, perfect place, experiencing perfect oneness. They were there, and there was a unity that was going on there, and a community there, and the sense of just oneness that was awesome. And our hearts think, that's what I would want, you know? What happened? I mean, why are, are people lonely? With that kind of opportunity and that kind of potential, why would anybody you know, be lonely? Well, in the Bible, it says that sin entered into the world, and we've talked about that, brokenness, wrongness. It came in into the world. So the Bible says this, um, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They began to cover. That's an important word. The Lord called to the man, where are, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Remember that word as well. Two things are going on here. First of all, number one, they covered. Number two, they hid. Covered, hid. Covered and hid. They hid from each other when they cover themselves, and they hid from God. What does this have to do with confession? It has everything to do with confession because confession is the very opposite of covering and hiding, isn't it? It's opening up, and it's revealing. It's being transparent to another. Hiding and confession, man, they they, they work against each other. Confession will remove hiding. Hiding. They're opposites, and they cancel each other out. Hiding is closing up. It's shutting down. Concealing. Confession is opening up. Confession is revealing. Well, so now we're in this place of covering and hiding from each other and from God. Not revealing, not opening up what we're really like. And all of a sudden problems began to start with that. God does not give up so easily. Really glad of that. God is much more stubborn than we are. And in the Bible is the story of God helping a hiding humanity come back to God and to each other. That's what the Bible's story is all about. Is God helping a hiding humanity come back to God and to each other. People say the Bible's filled though with a lot of bad stuff. Bad people doing bad things. Exactly. That's the whole point of this. This is what happens when we hide and when we conceal and when we cover up. We do all kinds of bad things because we have to promote ourselves or our self-image or we have to try and deny the bad that's inside of us. And so we do all kinds of crazy, nefarious, goofy, stupid, stupid things. And what God wants to say is, as you read the Bible and see all the stupidity that we do, God is saying, see what happens when, you're, when you hide from me, when you're separated from me? See what it's like? See what it's all about? So God starts again, this time with his own son, Jesus. Part of the Trinity, remember God, Father and Son, part of that Trinity now comes to earth. That's Jesus Christ. God, who knows perfectly well unity and community, enters into time and space. He enters into earth. And he finds 12 guys, and he pulls them all together. And he said, for the next three years, I want you to move with me. I want you to walk with me. I want you to listen to me. I want... You to understand what love and what community and unity is really all about. And he shows them what serving one another is all about. Remember, he washes their feet. And then Jesus prays this. He said, may they all be as one, Father. Again, unity. As you are in me and I am in you, may they belong to us and the world will believe you sent me, that there's this kind of dynamic unity of people connecting with one another. And and these early disciples, these other followers of Jesus, they took it to heart. The Bible says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind, just this unity thing that's going on here. We think prejudice is bad today. We think it would be easy back then. Actually, it was worse, way worse back then. It was legalized prejudice back then. Jesus then would say this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I mean, see that? Wow. Don't just tolerate each other. Don't just put up with each other, you know? Don't just simply sit in the same building because you share the same beliefs. I'm asking you to love each other, love each other. I want to create relationships like there has never been before because there was never a movement like this. Never, ever in the history of humanity has there been a, hi- there been a movement like this.
1: Well, what happens?
0: Well, <laughs> we've been beat up for so long, we still have the human nature to do what? To cover and to hide. It's still within us, isn't it? I mean, don't you feel it? You still have that, that propensity, the tendency to cover up and to hide, to hide from other people. You know, we do that hide thing. I've shared with you about growing up my dining room table. We had our famous dining room table, and and our our house wasn't huge, and so we had our dining room table that was kind of in the family room, which was kind of in the kitchen, and and the dining room table became a catch-all for everything, pretty much, you know? It, it was right there and you just walked by and so you throw your newspaper on it and the mail on it and your school papers and your notebooks on it and your coats and pencils and pens and anything else was there. And, at, and after a while, the thing would begin to just pile up, you know, as the dining room table was on this one. And so we would have people that would come over and I still remember the voice in the back of my head, my mom, saying, can somebody clean up the dining room table? You know, can somebody clean off the dining room table? You know, horizontal surface will pop with all kinds of stuff. And and I said, How come how come we always have to keep this dining room table clean when people come over? And her classic mom response is, because I don't want people to think we live like this. (laughs) Classic, stupid teenager response. We do live like this, you know? I mean, this is, this is how we live. And then I would say, if, if their love for us is only based on our dining room table, I don't think much of them, you know? This is a stupid 15-year-old kid. And that's when I got sent outside to make sure the yard looked good enough for the people that were, were coming over, you know? And this is why we still within us have the whole idea of, i got to put on my Sunday best. You know, i got to make sure everything's in order. i got to make sure everything's nice and spick and span because I don't want people to think that I live like this. And I don't know if this relates to any of you, but some of you have told me that you do the whole, you know, once you get a, onto Stone Pine Road, all of a sudden the argument you're having in the car has to stop. Because as you drive into the parking lot, you have to make sure everything's nice and kind because they wouldn't want to think, you know, that we're mad at each other coming to church. You know, what do we do? We cover, we hide. We cover, we hide. I need to make sure that you think the very best of me, and so I will find the newest the newest uh, style of fig leaf to put on my body to make sure that you think I'm cool and right, everything's okay with me. you follow that? Do you understand what that does also? because I'm hiding now behind fig leaves, you don't know me. You know my fig leaves. You know maybe where I bought my fig leaves, but you don't know me. And James comes around and and says to us, confess your sins. Confess your sins. Um, well, what is confession? Again, we get the picture of the Confessional booth, you know, on that, and well, what do I have to confess, and how do how do I manage that? I mean, what am I supposed to do on, on this one? And um, Tony Renke was talking about that. I read an article by him, um, and 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 he's talking about it's called confessing sin. And when he was a kid, he would attend a Catholic church, and he was always a little embarrassed because um, he never really felt like he had a whole lot to say to the priest. And so he wrote, I better have some pretty bold sins to confess or the priest would think I was hiding something, <laughs> you know, I'm hiding something. He said, but I also wanted to get through this as quickly as possible. So he made up stuff. He made up stuff to confess just so the priest would think, yeah, this is a legitimate confession. So he could, he could get out of there as quickly as he possibly could. Or we picture, you know, God grabbing us, you know, and sweating it out of us. and we have to, you know, under bright lights and confess every problem. Um, you know, talk and it'll go easy on you. What confession is, is it's simply going to God and being honest. Confess just simply means name what it is. It's just agreeing with God that what you've done is wrong. It means going to God and God saying, what you say about me is right. And this is what I did. It also means, and now this happens now in the, in the um, horizontal meaning with one another. It doesn't mean standing up in front of church and naming every bad thing that you did, you know, this past week and month. It means having one or two relationships where you can talk about everything in your life. One or two people that you can tell anything to. Not getting in front on Sunday morning and sharing every detail, but going to a sister or a brother whom you trust that you can say, You know, there's something I've never told you or anybody else. Can I talk to you for a few minutes? And that person whom you tell has experienced forgiveness from God and they have accepted their sin. They've owned it, you know. And they've surrendered to God. They've already said, God, use me in your will and in your work, whatever it is. And all of a sudden somebody comes to them, a close friend, and since they've accepted grace and owned their own sin and there's a sin that's shared with them, they don't condemn they don't judge because they already have owned their own sin. You understand that? They already know how deeply they have sinned before God. And so they listen. And and you, the person confessing, you don't see condemnation in their eyes or in their face. You see grace and mercy and forgiveness. And you realize maybe there's hope for me. Maybe people can love me as I begin to peel off these stupid fig leaves that I've been hiding behind. And this is where I want relationships here to go, close relationships to go. I have to decide, though. I have to make that decision. I have to decide if I want to come out of hiding. Because we can come here week after week, and even year after year, and nobody knows our hearts. I mean, that can happen, can't it? Nobody knows our hearts. And our hearts are breaking, or we feel this huge just smack of guilt but i can't tell anybody because i'm afraid of condemnation you know if people knew the truth about me they would never love me and so we hide we hide behind these fig leaves so for again again if people knew the truth about me they would never love me but the trap is if they do say i love you but you're hiding you can't accept their love because in the back your mind is yeah but you don't know what? The real me. And if you knew the real me you wouldn't love me. And it's an important key to spiritual growth. It honestly is. And it's a huge 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 stumbling block because that pride thing still keeps us from, from saying, I don't want anybody to think less of me. I don't want anybody to think less of me. But in a community of grace where there is forgiveness and we're a bunch of broken people that come together and receive forgiveness, there's all kinds of grace that's there. You know, there's a kind of grace that's where if you confess to me, I could say, you think that's bad. I can share with you things about my life that you would never, never have believed, you know? Important key to spiritual growth. David's the king of Israel, and he's considered, you know, by God, a man after God's own heart. You know, that's the title that he's gotten. And boy, you read his life, and it's got a lot of pockmarks in it. I mean, it's not a smooth sail of greatness. Um, he has an affair, you know? He gets a girl pregnant in the affair. And in order to cover it up, he gets her husband killed, okay? Boom, you know? Sounds like a lifetime movie, you know, that's going on here. And he marries her, and he thinks he's got it well covered up. Nobody, Nobody knows. And so David's in massive denial about what he did, and he goes on functioning as king and doing kingly things and doing, quote, godly things and leading the nation spiritually and all that stuff. And he has a friend, some guy named Nathan, and Nathan has the courage and love to come up to him and say, you messed up huge. You blew it. Now David has a choice, you know. Nobody knows in the world except Nathan. And he's king and he's one on one with with Nathan and he could say to the guards, take this guy out. But he doesn't. This is why he's a man after God's own heart. Then David confessed to Nathan. See that? Confessed. He confesses to Nathan and he confesses to God. Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a great psalm. It's a song, actually, in the Bible. It's a great thing. Read it. And I read it a lot because I'm a sinner and I need to read these words. And most of the songs or the psalms in the Bible, again, which are songs, you don't know kind of when they were written or why they were written. This one you do. And sometimes a musician will get up and say, I wrote this song, you know, when my girlfriend left me and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, this is where one where David said, I wrote this song. And it says this. Psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. This is what David wrote, okay? I'm going to read it, and if you just want to close your eyes or if you want to read along, with, you know, read along in your mind, that's fine too. But he says this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. You hear that? Always before me. It's always there. It's always there because he can't confess it out. Against you, you only have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. So you're right in your verdict. You're justified when you judge. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me, or I need to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Again, he said, hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know, it's weird about this whole thing called confession. I said it before. You don't have to do it. You don't. That's one of those keys of spiritual growth that you don't have to get the tag. You don't have to do. And you can function. You won't function very well. You won't function abundantly. You will function in hiding. You'll function in fear that you'll be found out. You'll function somehow in this kind of a fake, half-fake love. You can maintain status and reputation, but then you'll have to decide whether you want to spend the rest of your life hiding or not. We started out with kids, you know, trying to figure out a system where no one is lonely, whether it's shaking your hips or food that talks, It starts with confession for us, being real and honest. This morning, we're going to take the Lord's Supper, and that's the whole point of what we've been talking about. God is restoring us to wholeness through Him, openness and honesty. Some people will ask, can I take the Lord's Supper? I mean, can I take communion? It's up here. Can I take it if I have sin in my life? (laughs) It's the whole point. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we're just fooling ourselves. We all do. But if we confess our sin, meaning agree with God, God, it's wrong. What I am is wrong. What I've done is wrong. I need forgiveness. I agree with you. I need your help, God. I surrender my life to you. If we confess our sin, he's faithful, faithful and just. He'll always do it to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from every unrighteousness. And we're going to in a moment do that. I'm going to invite you to take a second and pray with me, please, would you? Um, I don't want to mislead you that when you go to God and confess your sin that you've got to remember every single thing you've ever done in your life. You can't do that. And God knows that. You don't have to remember everything. What God wants is a contrite spirit, a broken heart. That's what it means. God doesn't despise that. Just simply to say, God, all of it. All the selfishness, all the pride, all the stupidity. All the times when I only thought of myself. I'm sorry for it. Forgive me in the name of Jesus. Forgive me because of Jesus, because of what he did. What Jesus did was he came down. And that's what the bread we're going to be taking represents. He came down on flesh and blood and Jesus said, this is my body. Beyond that, he was punished for you for that selfishness that you did. God punished his own son, not you. And that becomes real for you and true for you when you say yes to Jesus Christ. Forgive me, God, now. Lord, we thank you so much for this. Thank you that we can do this May this be a new opening in our lives to stop hiding, stop concealing, but to be revealing and open and real. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Let me be playing a great song, and as they do, just kind of get your heart ready and your mind right. Come forward and take the elements. There's some tables in the back as well. Um, take the elements. Come back to your seat. Hold on to them. Um, and after the song is done, I'll get up here and we will then take together as a family and community. But let's worship now.